Good morning, family. How are you? Good. I'm excited to be here. I missed you guys last week. I uh, got to uh, spend a little time up uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee, where it was like beyond, like it wasn't Florida cold. It was like beyond Florida cold, where you actually had to put a jacket on, uh, kind of a thing. And so that was uh, that was nice to get away from uh, from the heat a little bit. But uh, but we miss this place. We miss being in in the fellowship. There's just something about coming together and spending time in worship, like we just did. And we're in the middle of this Advent series and. Pastor Gus, thank you to him for, for launching us into this last week as we, we talked about how we can have hope. And today we want to continue this Advent series as we talk about how to notice peace. And if there's ever a time that we need to notice peace and help others around us notice peace, it's in 2021. Now, I don't know about you what your Christmas traditions are. Hopefully the cooler weather has made it start to feel like the holidays, right? So it's, it's a rarity here in Florida, but uh, I don't know if you've caught this yet. The Charlie Brown Christmas special, have, are you in on this yet? Right? Yeah. Some people clapping. Some people are like, what? Uh, I love that they present this passage in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. I love that the great theologian Linus wraps it up at the end, and he says, this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And it truly is. He speaks truth. That's what it's all about. It's all about the coming of the Savior. It's all about anticipating. It's all about us commemorating and remembering the great sacrifice. And we're going to get an opportunity to do that in, in, in a few moments through a communion. But tonight, today, I want to just continue in the, our Advent series in this passage. As you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. I want to want to read and kind of get us going today. I'm excited about this subject as we talk about how to notice peace in such a climate that we live in today. The passage says in Luke chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, it says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Amen. Now, as our Advent readers read through the story, what was happening in the life of Mary and Joseph in that time, you have to wonder if there was anybody who needed peace in this story, it was Joseph, right? I mean, he's, he, he doesn't really remember what he signed up for, and, and here it is, everything's just kind of unfolding. But Mary and Joseph, are, they're on their way to Bethlehem. They're, they're going there to, to register, not for a baby shower. They're going there to register for the census that was demanded by the government so they could be accounted for. But in these moments, in this passage, the shoes that I would like for you to sit in for just a moment are the shoes of those shepherds who were out in the field doing what they did every single day, just tending to the flocks. And after the, the, birth, after the birth of our Savior Jesus, a host of angels appeared to them, which probably freaked them out to begin with, but also had a very serious message that came behind it. And you have to wonder, you have to think, like, what were they expecting? What was their response? I mean, this phrase, and, and on earth, peace, peace? I mean, this would have been the last thing that these shepherds and people in that, that culture were expecting to hear in that moment. I'm sure that the appearance of the angels that in, enlightened them but they weren't expecting them to say that there was going to be peace. No. 
Because the, the, the time that this, this angel made this announcement, there was anything but peace happening in this culture. Rome ruled the world. Rome had control of absolutely everything. I mean, these were times of slavery. These were times of hard persecution, times of trial. There were times of need. And the last thing that these, these folks would ever be expecting in this moment and the message that they would hear would be, there's going to be peace among men on this earth? But that's what the message that was delivered. And we think about the time now, we think about this, this peace among men. I mean, you think about then, you think about now, has, have we ever really had peace? I mean, even the, the time that we look at, that we live in right now. If I spin the globe around, where can I put on that globe my finger and find rest and peace? I mean, as, as we speak this morning, as we are gathered to worship this morning, there's 30 to 35 conflicts going on around our globe right now. Either rebellions or the beginnings of revolution, either at the beginning stages or somewhere in the middle or in live theater as we speak. Anything but peace on earth. Leo Tolstoy said this, he said, violence will produce only something resembling justice, but it distances people from the possibility of living justly without violence. Somewhere around 1944, during the Battle of the Bulge, right on the, 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 the borderline, there was a farm cottage, and in that cottage lived a young boy about 12 years old and his mom who were, who were kind of preparing a, a fatted chicken, if you will, getting ready for their, their Christmas meal. And all of a sudden there was a knock at the door and there were four American soldiers that were standing on the other side of that door. Now, at the risk of high treason, at minimal, she allowed them to come in. One was very seriously wounded, so she allowed them to come in, they checked their guns, she said, you can stay here. And so she came in, they rested, she took care of them, she addressed the wounds of these soldiers. And a few hours later, another knock at the door. And her 12-year-old boy opens the door, and it's three German soldiers. So she talks to them, and she says, you can come in here under one condition. There will be no killing in my house, and you must check your guns with me. And so they did. They agreed. They came on in to that nice, warm house because it was freezing cold outside. And they sat around and kind of in quiet. And they continued to fix it. Within in a couple of hours, the, 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 the nine of them are now sitting around this table. And they are eating this Christmas dinner in peace together. And they stayed there all night. And, and the next day, when it, when it came time on Christmas Day, they the one American soldier had, had gotten better, gotten to the point where he could move. And so the soldiers agreed that this should be the time that we go back to our respective troops, to our groups. And so they did that. They all gathered. They thanked the son. They thanked the, the mom for allowing us to stay them and spend the night there in the warmth of this little cottage home. They thanked her and they left. They went back to the respected size. The German guys even relayed to the American soldiers hey, this is the, the territory that was last taken over, so don't go this way. Go this way to get back to your troops. And they agreed, and they went their separate ways. So at least on that Christmas day, in the Battle of the Bulge, there was peace on earth for those nine individuals. So where has this message gone? Where has this idea really about peace on earth, where has that gone? And this idea that Jesus came and gave us peace, where is that 
today in 2021? So many times we ask the question, but don't stick around for the answer. What is the truth about what Jesus said? We're told in the Isaiah, uh, in Isaiah chapter 9, we're told this is how it will happen. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the, and the government will, will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. See, peace is an interesting word in the New Testament. It's found over 330 times in the, in the New Testament. In fact, the author of almost two-thirds of the New Testament begins each one of his letters, peace be unto you, grace and peace be unto you. When Jesus came and he began to teach, you remember the Sermon on the Mount? He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Even, even as Jesus would heal people, even he was, after he would perform miracles on people, he would say, get up, and he would say, now go in peace. So he continues to make statements about peace. In John 16, he said, in me, in me you will find peace. What is this peace? What is this peace they speak of? The question is, word, the answer is word means to, to kind of this word in the New Testament and, and its origin means to, to bind together things that are disjointed. Are there any areas in your life today that are, feel disjointed? Feel like it needs some peace, some reconnection, some binding together? That's what it meant. One of the main focuses of the word peace in the New Testament was centered around the advent of Jesus, the anticipation, the hope of the one to come. It was talked about in the angels and announced in, by the angels in Luke like we just read. You see, in those days when Jesus was walking on the earth, Rome had such a tight grip on things, they didn't want the Jewish people to experience peace at all. They, they didn't want them to, to, to have even the dream. And so when, when you told them, when they started to hear, like there's going to be someone that's going to come and, and offer peace and take care of all this, they are like, that's a, that's a far away hope. That's a far away dream. And Jesus said, I'm, I'm not coming just for peace among the nations. I'm coming for peace among individuals. Look at John 14, 27. says, my peace I give unto who? Unto you. Unto you and to I. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I think about this. So there must, there must be something about this peace. There must be something transformative and transformational about this peace in our life that allows us to walk through these trials, to overcome this tribulation, to get to the other side, to heal heartaches that we have experienced. And when he said, don't let your heart be troubled, that doesn't mean that's going to be the end. I mean, I'd love to walk out of my door in the morning, I don't know about you, and go like, hey, I don't have a thing to worry about today. There's absolutely nothing. It's like, like you have this, this shield on, right? There's nothing that can happen to me. That's not what he meant. He says, don't let that fear rob you of your peace. He says, because what I bring to the table, what I offer to you will sustain you through that. It will lift up and encourage your heart so that you can walk through those trials, so that you can walk through those tribulations, so that you can get to the other sides, so that you can see that there is a hope in me. And in this Advent season, what we are trying to do is, is we want us to lift our gaze to the heavens. You know, so, so often, and I'm so guilty of this, we get so, so centered on our schedule, so centered on, on our agendas and what we want to do that we forget to lift our gaze to the heavens. And our agendas take over instead of his agendas. And in this Advent season, as we lift our gaze, 
We want to point out it's, it's the hope of Advent. It's the hope of Christmas. It's the story. It, 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 it's our hope is in that God has done something so supernatural, so unimaginable through Christ Jesus that it changes the world, that it redefines what peace is. We see it early begin to make its way out of the pages of the Old Testament. And, and the voice just gets louder and louder. And it gets to the, then it gets to the prophets. And God's voice just touches them. And they're faithful. And they write the message that he said to write. And the voice of God through those visionary, peace-hungry prophets sounds like this. You were made for better days. The strong will oppress the weak. The rich crush the poor. The nation goes to war against nation. But I, the Lord, have made you for better days. And I, the Lord, will bring you those better days to pass. You see, the ancient Jews had a word for these better days. It was called shalom. Shalom is, is the Hebrew word for peace. That's what their hope was in. And, and then this, this shalom, I mean, in, in the Bible, God's peace, shalom, it meant much more than just the absence of war. It, it meant much more than just the, the, the absence of chaos. It was richer. It was deeper. The longing for God's shalom, you know, included those things, but, but it also, in, in their eyes, for these radical Jewish believers, it was a peace that was bigger, broader. Because to them, shalom not, not only meant that, but it also meant an inner peace, a, a spiritual peace, a, a, a wholeness, a completeness. To them, it meant that it was the end of injustice, that the rich would no longer devour the poor. It meant all brokenness would be set right. All those that need to be healed would be healed. Shalom would flow deep and broad, embracing all of creation. And God continues the story, and the, the gospel continues through its pages. And God begins to lay down clues as we pick them up that awaken our hearts to look for those better days. Amen. And for the Jews, that shalom was wrapped up in the coming of a person. For they thought that there was someone coming who would open the door wide and bring peace for eternity. Who would that person be? Who is going to bring that shalom upon here? And, and as, as we mentioned, Isaiah says it's going to happen through a child. It's going to be someone who's born here on earth among men. And then God, God whispers his, in his voice again in chapter 11. And he says, God whispers again. He says, then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from its roots, from his roots, will bear fruit. Who is this bearer of shalom? Where will he come from? The prophet Micah remembers it very well. You see, Micah was here 700 years before Jesus, lived in a town, Morasheth, that's about 25 miles outside of Jerusalem. The Hebrew word for prophet is literally to, to see. So God gave him a message. As Micah remembers the injustice very well. He records it very well in his early chapters, but you start to see this hope for better days start to come out because God whispers into Micah's ear and it says, Micah, there is hope coming. There is help coming. There's going to be shalom again soon, Micah. Write this down. Proclaim it to the nations. And as he did, he goes on to describe the coming one in, in chapter 4, verse 3. He says, and he will judge between many peoples and render decisions for mighty distant nations. And then they will hammer their swords into plowshares. Why? Because they won't need them anymore. And their spears into pruning hooks. Why? Because they won't need them anymore. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they train for war. Oh, this is a beautiful, big, wide, open shalom, a picture of the beauty of God at work among men, among his creation. 
And it's this shalom that we celebrate, that we long for, that we need to notice in our day-to-day. You know, weeks ago, I got the opportunity to, to talk to us about biblical community and what that really looked like. And one of the themes that just kind of stuck out to me about the early church was their continuous recognition and keeping the, the blood and body of Jesus in front of them at all of their gatherings. And we're going to get to do that in, in this next few moments in communion. Man, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for those early prophets who were obedient to write the word that God was whispering in their ear. With unrest, with turbulence, with, with, with all the imprisonments and all the things that were going around them, I'm sure they were thinking, God, are you sure this is the message that we're supposed to write? Because I don't see peace in my culture. I don't see peace outside my window right now. God said, write it down. Hope is coming. It was the anticipation of the chosen one. And this, this morning as we stop to, we pause and just kind of reflect on that. If you're joining us online, I, now would be the time to go and get the elements that, that you'll need to, to partake in this. If you're in the room and you did not receive one of these cups, raise your hand and our folks will come around and make sure that you have one. As we enter this time, of just kind of re, I want to just spend some time reflecting. Just keep your hand raised. We've got some down here in the front. Someone would help with the. This morning, as uh, we think about those disciples that were sitting around that table, some of them for the last time they would spend with Jesus. Reminded of what must have been going through their heads. If we have any, anybody with a basket to come, we got this section down here that a lot of folks that still need. Keep your hands raised. Our folks will come around and get these things to you. But I'm going to ask that we bow our heads and close our eyes in the next few minutes. Don't be afraid of the silence. I don't want communion today just to be something that we've done and we've checked off the box. I want it to to sink in deeply as to what we're recognizing, what we're remembering this morning. So with your head bowed, your eyes closed. Would you picture yourself this morning finding rest in the arms of your father? What does that look like to you? In that rest, your breathing can begin to slow down. In his arms, your mind can begin to rest. As we continue to pray, 
you ask God to show you shalom in the midst of the busyness of this season? There stands anything between you and God, would you just confess that before Him? God, would you forgive us when we have made your agenda about our agenda? Father, forgive us when we have turned face-to-face conversations into text, when we've left meetings early, and we've cut corners just so we can cram more into our calendar. God, out of this space, may we schedule and calendar the rest of our days, this place of rest in your arms. And as we finish, would you just take a moment and thank God for loving us so much, coming to live among us, dying for our iniquities, Sending his helper, the Holy Spirit, as he lives within us. And all God's people said, Amen. For it was in that upper room. The disciples that were sitting with Jesus were leaning in to what he was about to tell them. And for some of them, as it was cascading down, they began to understand what was about to happen. For some, they were confused. They thought, there's no way that you're about to leave us. Jesus said, it has been written. This must happen. And then he took the bread, passed it around, and he broke the bread. He ate it and he said, this is my body. Sacrifice is shed for you. Take, eat, for this do in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took the wine. And he pointed it out to them. He said, this is my blood that has been shed for you and for the iniquities of man to come. Take it and drink this dew in remembrance of me.
I love that we still do this in, in church today, that together we commemorate. I like to see it as, as a threefold process that we commemorate the great sacrifice, recognize how much God loved us in the great sacrifice of the Son of Man. We anticipate with hope the coming of Jesus again. And thirdly, we participate. Solidify, helps solidify our faith. It, it helps us to, to focus on the unity of the body of Christ coming together to publicly proclaim that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Amen? This morning, in, in just a few moments, there will be many people, 30 plus people, are going to walk through the baptismal waters right outside. And we're going to celebrate with them the life change that is taking place, the step that they are taking. If you're here today, and you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and the next step for you is believer's baptism. If you would like to be a part of that, it is not too late. You can go now and you can register right across the, the hallway here and be a part of that service. You think, I, I, I still think that there's peace here on earth. A few weeks ago, uh, or earlier this year, I got to share how my family and I were afforded a trip out west, and maybe you were here for that day, and I showed the picture of these dome tents that we stayed in, and out west in, in Arizona, and one of the, the amenities in that little dome tent was, was a telescope out into a window, because out there, it was absolutely just dark. <laughs> I mean, I've been in some dark spaces before, but there was nothing out there. We were in the middle of nowhere. And so we looked through this, this telescope, looked at the, the, the solar system, looked at the, the, the constellations, and, and just to walk outside, I remember walking outside and, and just looking around in, in the darkness. And the longer I would, I would gaze into the stars, not only would I, would I see the constellations, the longer I stared, the depth began to become apparent to me. The depth of the entire system. I was like, man, sometimes I just need to stand still and rest and focus to see what God really wants me to see, to experience what God really wants me to experience. I think there's peace here. We just have to stop. We just have to lift our gaze and to rest in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning that we can come and gather together, that we can worship you, that we can remember that silent night, that holy night, that you loved us so much, that you provided shalom through the birth of your son. And God, as we go, as we celebrate today those that are making life change decisions, I pray that we would go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. I pray that we would go and be a little bit of peace to those around us as we stop and lift our gaze and recognize who you are in these moments. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.